0: We usually associate spirituality with very positive experiences, uplifting, transcendent, free-spiritedness, the ability to go beyond ourselves and experience higher states of consciousness and awareness. But is there a dark side to spirituality? Are there shadows? Are there risks? Are there challenges? Please join me in this important conversation. Black magic, the dark side of Kabbalah. And let us discover both on a cosmic level and a personal level that with all the great and powerful experiences we are capable of, we must never forget that there is also another side, the other side, the darker side, and what we can do about it both to preempt it and to harness it toward the good. Hi, this is Simon Jacobson, and we will be speaking about Black Magic, the Dark Side of Kabbalah. This program is dedicated by Bonnie Kellogg in honor of her birthday. So spirituality, what does it elicit? What's the knee-jerk reaction? Free-spiritedness. Elevation. Elevation. Joy, transcendence, opening us up to broader horizons, to higher states of consciousness and awareness. The exact opposite of what materialism or other ways of defining so-called our physical existence, which is about survival, the pressures, the challenges. Spirit, by definition, we say the word soul whether it's soul music or soul in general, we're talking about something that is beyond the senses, the suprasensory. So it seems only beautiful, more than beautiful. It is what makes us uniquely human, actually what allows the human to touch the divine, where heaven meets earth. And yet we find That there's another side to things. Is there a dark side to the mystical experience, to the spiritual experience? The dark side of Kabbalah, black magic. We hear about sorcery, the occult. Throughout history, this has been discussed, shamanism, witchery, And other forms, and I'm not just talking about sleight of hand and magic, but actually forms of experiences that people associate that lead them to another place. Is there a dark side to that? And today as well, I just remember, as it comes to mind, a few years ago, invited to someone's home, and there was a guru there. People that I saw when I drove up, a driveway filled with Rolls Royces, the most expensive cars. I walk in, Yes, this this man sitting on the floor and he has his beloved followers and disciples literally worshiping him. And I felt a vibe that was not, uh, I will call it a healthy vibe. We started a conversation, I was invited, I wasn't even sure what the agenda was, but I was invited just to uh, speak. But then I realized that the people invited me wanted me to help get some people out of this cult. And it was definitely something was wrong. Now this man was brilliant and sensitive. But I felt a certain, it was his ego. Did it get to him? Did he justify behavior in the name of some higher spiritual state? And it was then that I came to discover, and I'm not going to go through the graphic details, but it was quite Sorted, let's put it this way. I realized firsthand that there's a very thin line between spirituality, sensuality, and sexuality. And if you don't know how to straddle that line, if you don't know how to uh, navigate, boundaries can be crossed in ways that create quite a lot of damage. Because remember, the deeper you go into a person's soul, the deeper and more intimate you go into the psyche, into the spirit. So on one hand, yes, it can open up completely new channels, can get beyond traumas and fears and inhibitions and insecurities that block us, but you're also opening up a very vulnerable place. Think of like open-heart surgery. You don't just do that in the street. needs to be a sterilized environment, everything perfect, because the more, the deeper you go into something, the more sensitive it is, the more even one drop that goes off, the more destructive it could be. You know, think of a piece of dust on your finger isn't very significant, but on your eyeball, quite irritating. And the same thing is with our psyches, which is why anyone who's a practitioner, a therapist, a mentor, a psychologist, a psychiatrist, a soul doctor, whatever you want to call the person, who's dealing with soul matters has to be extra careful, even more than a physical doctor. Because you're opening up literally the most vulnerable, defenseless place in a person. You want to make sure that there's purity that enters. There's no other agendas. Because one iota off can create very deep damage. I say damage I don't mean irreversible but it can create big problems that's why we find that abuse at the hands of people who love you is far worse than from a stranger not to minimize a stranger's abuse because the person who loves you you've opened up you trusted them a parent an educator a mentor a, uh, a teacher you trusted them and they've gone into the place where you were vulnerable especially as a child that has no defenses And when you enter there, every little thing, every delicate thing, it's an interesting concept. The Holy of Holies in the Holy Temple was a place no one ever entered. Only the high priest once a year. And for a short while. Why not? The Holy of Holies the ultimate place. Because when you enter in a place where there are no filters and no layers and no coverings, complete naked vulnerability, you have to be really, really careful. And if anyone entered the Holy of Holies with one blemish, they wouldn't survive. Do you know that the high priest was bound by ropes in case that would happen and no one could enter so they would pull him out? Not as punishment. The exact opposite. You're blinded by the light if you don't have the right filters. But if you're pure and your intentions are pure and humble, that allows you to experience the greatest experiences. So let's talk about the the both sides. And it's interesting, in the Kabbalah, in mysticism, the expression used for the dark side is actually the other, the other side. Referring to an important verse that I want to quote from Ecclesiastics, where it says that the existence was created in a way of zeh l'umazeh. Basically, alter egos, a mirror image. Everything that exists in light exists in darkness. So they're like polar opposites, but they're equals. Now what does this mean, and what's the significance of that? And let's look at life. Let's just start with basically choosing, when you have to choose. A person with great strengths, we know, can use them to develop and produce something tremendous, but great strengths can also be used in the other direction, used in the wrong way, It could be the most destructive. So power can be directed in both directions. And we see this, people with charisma, leadership qualities, people who can motivate others. So we've seen unbelievable change happen in the world in a positive way. We also see horrendous things that happen. Obviously, the example that always comes to mind is the 20th century example of Hitler. Look at his hypnotic power over a people. Imagine he would have used it for the good instead of spewing hatred and venom and promoting only that agenda that he wanted to promote. Tremendous power. So power is power. Nuclear energy, atomic energy. Is it good or bad? It depends how you use it. Is a knife good or bad? Depends how you use it. If you use it to cut food or for something productive, then it's valuable. If you use it the wrong way, Is destructive. And the more powerful it is, the more destructive it is. The real question is why? Why is it that way? Why do we have these two diametric opposites? In many ways, as I said, alter egos, mirror images. So it really gets back to the very purpose of existence and why we're here in the first place. I always wondered, I don't know if you ever thought of this question. You know, today... We're comfortable with the invisible. Every time you use your phone, a computer, technology, you're basically engaging the invisible, invisible forces. How, how could there be in one little, one little smartphone so much power, so much information, so much data? So you have to go into understanding the world of microscopic physics, quantum mechanics, the microchip, that once upon a time, Ostensibly, we thought, the physical world, whatever is larger is more powerful, physically larger. And we came to learn that the forces that really drive existence are actually very minuscule. What is, how big is DNA? Cell, a cell. An atom, a subatomic particle. And yet, those are the building blocks that define everything. When you think of computer programming... So we're using an interface upon an interface upon an interface. That's what you're pressing on the keyboard and seeing on your screen or your touch screen. But what's going on beneath the surface that when you press that button or you touch the screen, it triggers a whole series of things that go back to the main language of zeros and ones. And those zeros and ones in turn translate into another language, another language until it becomes user-friendly meaning the user interface that we can use. So I always wondered, why was it that the invisible is invisible and the visible is visible? Why not the other way around? If the driving forces, the true reality of things, is that integral, internal, invisible network, why is that not so obvious? And what is obvious is only the tip of the iceberg. It's when I began to study Kabbalah mysticism, and especially its the application of Hasidic thought, which turns it also into a psychological model, and an applicable one, came to understand the concept that the Arizal, of Isaac Luria, the great 16th century mystic, maybe the greatest mystic of them all, where he revealed what was called the secret of the Tzimtzum, You'll soon see the connection to our discussion. Critical connection. The secret, that simtsum in Hebrew. The secret of the tzimtzum. What is tzimtzum? Tzimtzum literally means contract. It means to concentrate. It means to conceal, to hide, to diminish, all of the above. But the what the the key thing to understand is not just the word, the concept. What is the concept? The concept is that when you first have a seamless singularity meaning a seamless reality and consciousness where there is no duality there aren't two entities it's all oneness there is no room in that type of environment for diversity for another consciousness in other words for us so as he describes it in the, using the mystical language the infinite divine light that filled everything what does everything mean? Everything that will be and everything that was? So it's a very broad word or everything that we can even imagine. Everything. Now as long as that consciousness dominates as I said there's no room for anything else to use an example that Rav of Zalman of Liadi the great mystic as well the Chabad Hasidic founder says the example of a teacher think of an infinitely brilliant teacher and his intelligence is all revealed, would there be room for any student to be able to even enter the room? I don't mean physically enter, to be in that space, no. So the teacher needs to do something to allow room, space for another. And what is that? That Simpson needs to withdraw, recede. Think of water receding and allowing dry land to emerge. The teacher allows his intelligence withdraws it, so to speak. It doesn't disappear, it just goes within. It's not being expressed. So Simpsons is actually the power of refrain, the power of restraint, of withholding, just as a good teacher will do, will fit his ideas, to the tailored to the students. But in this case, you first need to have a total silence to create a new paradigm. And what is the new paradigm? That there's another consciousness. And the higher state of consciousness, that singularity, that... Integral unity has to be concealed. And that leaves room for now other, the other to emerge. And other is not a bad thing. On the contrary, there's a reason for that. We need the individual separateness with the goal and intention that these two reunite. Essentially, it's a story of love and romance, really. That from an integral, seamless unity, we turn into a fragmented multitude that in its mind and its own consciousness can see itself as separate, but in truth it's also part of that reality and it's up to us through our work, through our effort. Let's go back to the example. So now that this teacher has receded, his ideas or his brilliance has receded, he's left room for a space for the the student, now begins, after that concealment and silence, begins a slow flow of consciousness, a flow, slow stream, what he calls the kav. Kav the means a line and a thread. Think of it like a laser beam that now flows, but in a way that will be commensurate to what the Kabbalists call the containers of the budding and developing other consciousness. And if you want to look at it, look at it how a child is conceived. So when an egg is fertilized by a seed, and there's a conception. It doesn't begin that suddenly you have a child. You have one cell. One fertilized, one cell. That cell will split. And then split again and split again. First trimester, second trimester, third trimester. Until you have, after nine months, a healthy, viable child. You think about it. All in that one seed. You look at that one cell you never would imagine. And the same thing is everything in existence is that. Where you plant an apple seed in the ground, the same thing, and then it blossoms into a tree. So there's a process, and that's the process that is called by the Kabbalists, the Sederishtashlis, the cosmic order, the evolution of how energy evolves into matter, how singularity evolves into diversity. And the purpose is that the diversity should recognize integral unity, which is essentially the search for the unified field theory, for unity that human beings have always been searching for. It's actually the essence of science. Science is really a spiritual journey. They may not call it that, but essentially it's looking for the underlying connection between seemingly separate and diverse phenomena. And now we've discovered that. Now we know it's a given, that there is an integral unity. So we have now somewhat of a dichotomy, an integrity unity that connects all subatomic particles and all DNA and so on, and yet at the same time there is definitely diversity. There's you and I, self-interest has come into play. So the Simpson has a side effect, and what is its side effect? With the beautiful intention of creating diversity, there's also the possibility, and there has to be the possibility of, we'll call it rebellion, if you wish with individual defies the whole. That even though we're all fundamentally connected, I now have my self-interest. And I don't see the concealment as a concealment. I see it now, I'm here. Everything begins and ends with me. Me, me, me. Now what does that end up turning into if you allow that to devolve? Not just self-interest, selfishness, greed, narcissism. Ultimately, you're taking something from me it leads to conflict, to discord, and ultimately war itself. Every inhumanity that man has perpetrated on man is a result of this tzimtzum, which is actually a, misund- is a misdirected understanding that tzimtzum was meant to give you individuality, so you should be independent consciousness and come back and connect, just as it is with what with the, the Bible calls male and female created them as one. They separate in order to rejoin. That's what love is about. Love is a form of transcendence, of connecting to something, to a greater unity that's more than the sum of the parts. But when it's misunderstood or misguided, the concealment, oh, I don't have a teacher necessarily. Here I am. I'm an independent entity. And that's where things can wander off. And it's interesting, nobody wanders off overnight. It takes time. That's also a process. So let's go back to the example of the child that I gave. So now a child is born, a child is seamless. There's no duplicity. There are no lies. There's no deception. There isn't even self-consciousness. A child is naked and completely not self-conscious. Why should it be? It's pure, innocent. But then it enters a world. We'll call it a selfish world. A world driven by self, because that symptom, that concealment, has now concealed that inner unity, and that's why we can hurt each other. Think of it the Talmud asks a question that says, how is it possible if we're all one organism, meaning everything in nature and all human beings, how could one person hurt another? It's like hurting your own person. It's because we don't see it. And indeed, that's exactly the story. Think of your body. Think of your right hand and left hand seeing themselves as as adversaries. Or what do we have? Different Autoimmune diseases where the body turns on itself. That's tragic. Well, it's all due to a blindness. That's why it says a person will not transgress unless they have a moment of blindness, a moment of insanity. You'd never put your hand in fire if you knew it was fire and it could hurt you. But we don't know. So we're able to hurt others and we're actually hurting ourselves as part of who you are. So we're abusing and we're actually betraying ourselves and the inner unity that we're all part of when we hurt each other. And there's so many other implications, but I want to bring it back to our discussion here. This is where the Simpson can go in both directions. Now the next step, the Kabbalists explain, now this is a type of market correction. Remember, there is now a dissonance going on. Because the true reality is the higher consciousness that is seamless and unified. But in order for us to exist, we need to have a concealment. So now, Post-concealment, how do we connect to that which is pre-concealment when the entire existence of an independent consciousness is predicated on that symptom, on that concealment? So there's another mechanism, so to call it, A cosmic spiritual mechanism comes into play. It's called the world of Tayu, the world of chaos, cited right in the beginning of the Bible in the second verse. It refers to a world that the Kabbalist mystics call shviratakelim. The shattering of the containers. That the energy and the containers are not compatible. And why not? Because the energy represents a deeper unity. The containers represent independent identity. And they have not yet made peace with each other. So there's a shattering of the containers, which can be seen as a negative, in a certain way it is. But it's also a positive. Think of of it in psychological terms. Denial, when you think everything is good and it's not, Is is that better than when you actually feel shock, when you feel trauma, when you feel pain? Feeling pain is at least you're aware there's something wrong, and awareness is half the cure. So the shattering of the containers is essentially a recognition in our lives that something is not working. To apply it to ourselves beyond the cosmic and to the personal, it's when something has broken in your life, and you realize something is not working, my relationship isn't working, Why? Why can't I love? Why can't I trust? What, why is there something going on? Why my self-interest getting in the way? Maybe you're blaming the other whatever the reason is. Because there's a deeper lying dissonance that has not been resolved. Attention. Attention between the uh, attention. t i t e n s i o n, Not a tension, but tension between the inner truth of your oneness and the outer fragmentation or separation of the diversity of life. Now, the goal is not to annihilate, God forbid, or or eliminate diversity. It's to find harmony within diversity, to find the unity within it all. And that's why the zeros and ones remain invisible, because that symptom conceals that inner sense. And what we're left with is the tip of the iceberg. Now, let's bring it now back to black magic, the dark side of Kabbalah. So, in essence, to rephrase what I've been saying, is that reality as we see it, existence as we see it, is just the tip of the iceberg, the outer shell. That's another word used. klipa, an outer shell, an outer husk, that has fruit within. What's the fruit? The spiritual sparks, the divine sparks, the inner energy within everything. In, in, in all matter, there's energy. And actually, matter is energy. E equals MC squared comes into play as well. Objective of life is to reveal that energy. And that essentially is not just a religious journey or a spiritual journey. This is a scientific journey as well, to reveal the energy within all matter and to access it and to use it to improve life. That's what electricity is. That's what atomic energy is. That's what nuclear energy is. That is, every form of modern technology is doing that. Not just modern technology. Now, if you think about it, as they say, Technology, the first time it's used, it looks like magic. If anyone would have used technology today, a thousand years ago, you'd think it's magic. But it's not really magic. What you're doing is really accessing and manipulating the inner energies that define existence. Is that magic? Now you could imagine a spiritual person could do that in, in different methods as well. Sciences do it in the laboratory through nuclear fission or nuclear fusion or extreme heat or extreme speeds, whatever it may be. The universe is naturally doing it, whether it's the process of photosynthesis or other processes that shape something from one to another, the explosion of stars, Big Bang, however you want to apply it. So it's not complicated to understand that there may be a person who has that spiritual power. Like we see, you meet somebody that just has a certain sense, It's not magic. It's 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 accessing the deeper forces that can be done in a way that helps you grow or it can be done in a way that's manipulative. How many people have manipulated others? Because the the deeper you go, as I explained earlier, has that power. So at the end of the day, Kabbalah or mysticism or spiritual energy can also go in both directions. And that was the intention, that it should have the possibility to go in both directions, but we should choose wisely. To use a verse from the Bible, it says, I have given you two paths, the path of life and the path of death, the path of light, the path of darkness, and choose, choose life, choose light. But I have to give you the two paths because it's the only way that you can be independent and your life can be meaningful. So there is a dark side. The dark side is meant to be avoided, but it is a byproduct of the symptom the concealment that need is necessary for us to exist and be independent realities and makes our life valuable. We're not robots, we're not clones, we're not puppets. So now let's talk a little more about this black magic. So on one hand it's there. On the other hand it could be quite dangerous, which is why the Bible and many sources dictate that this is prohibited. Prohibited to go there. There's a disagreement whether it actually has power or something that's in our minds. But either way, and we are definitely talking about, especially from the mystical point of view, it does have power, and that power is fed by us. So we're told to avoid it. What are we told to avoid? Not the energy, we're told to use the to avoid using the energy the wrong way. We'll talk about that wrong way shortly, what that means exactly and how it applies to us. So there's a whole body of, of uh, literature on what you call black magic, the occult, witchcraft. And I'm not talking, again, delusions. Things that actually, so people have the power to enter into spiritual spaces, but it's used for the wrong reasons. Either selfish reasons, destructive reasons, but ultimately not for the purpose for which it was created to quote the words of the Tanya, he says, anything that's holy and pure is selfless. The selflessness allows that powerful energy to enter. As soon as something doesn't have that utter and absolute selflessness, he calls that the other side. That's why it's not called evil. That's why it's not called bad. It's called the other side. other side means it's not the side that's dedicated to the purpose of existence. Because that's how we begin to wander. We don't always wander because we have malicious or nefarious intentions. It begins sometimes, I'm doing it my way. So one day you just, you've moved a little off the reservation. That's how all transgressions begin. Nobody gets lost in the woods overnight. But slowly, slowly what happens is you become more important in your own eyes and to the point that you can begin using it completely for your own intentions. And we see this all the time. People of great talents and geniuses, let the ego or arrogance or some other thing get in the way. It could be, uh, it could be a, a woman, it could be a man, it could be sexuality, it could be anything. And suddenly that energy, not suddenly, over time, that energy suddenly being subverted, hijacked, in the wrong direction, and leading others down that path as well. So if it was a superficial thing, a superficial wound, okay, deal with it in a short-term way. But when you're dealing with inner spiritual energies... That's when it gets, takes on a whole different dimension. And that's what you'll find. You'll find in the Bible, you'll find in the Talmud, you'll find in historical different books, literature, that talk about sorcerers, witchcraft, and so on. Actually, it's acknowledging that there is real power there. As I said, there's a disagreement of how much power there is. Something is the actual power. Nachmanides writes, that yes, there's power that God in- invested in existence. Forces that when you manipulate them can change even natural things. And that's why we're not supposed to go there. It's not an area to go. When we hear about the morale who built the golem, which is a whole discussion of its own, even if you accept, and many do, authorities say that it actually happened, but it's not something common. And it's not something that anyone should be doing. It's actually frowned upon to use Kabbalah mysticism in ways to create something. I mean, some compare the Golem now to Chad GPT. But I'm not going to equate it as something that is, you're actually creating something, but it can look like it because it looks human, it seems so. But it's actually technological powers. But point being is it's not something that we do. Chad GPT is not an issue, technology is not an issue, unless, again, it's used for the wrong purposes. I'm not going to call technology witchcraft or sorcery, But it has a similarity that if you use powers like that to manipulate or to spread hate and destruction, it can be equally damaging and destructive. So the issue is not the witchcraft, the issue is the manipulation of spiritual energies, or for that matter, psychological energies in the wrong direction, for the wrong purposes. Now you find in the Bible the prophet Bilam, for example, who's equated to Moses, a great prophet, to the point that even though he did not like the Jewish people, And he was commissioned to curse them. He says to Balak, he says, as much as you commission me, I can only speak what I'm told. And he had to say things that were exact opposite of what he felt. Instead of curses, blessings came out of his mouth. But he was a prophet. But he understood where his power came from. And he had bad intentions. And later, up left his own devices. He actually gave a very good idea to Balak. He says, you can't destroy them with this prophetic or spiritual powers you have to destroy they have to destroy themselves seduce them challenge them tempt them and you'll see that they will weaken not from us but from within which is why what's so what's the story so one of the commentaries beautifully explains this idea of black magic he says it's the mind that gives it power so let's let's discuss that for a moment Does it actually have power or does it not have power? So it's a combination of both. As I said before, there are energies in existence, and if they're used the wrong way, they can go into the dark side. We spoke about the shattering of the containers. Let's use it psychologically. If a person has suffered some trauma in their life, serious trauma, and then it affects their lives in a very um, problematic way, they themselves become abusive Or the the opposite, they start abusing themselves. Sadly, I'll just give an example of someone I just recently met, among many, unfortunately. Grew up in a very abusive home, and now she sells her body. And she doesn't feel the dignity. What has happened? The energy of sexuality, which is so powerful and beautiful, has completely been diverted into the dark side. Because she has no uh, uh, self-esteem. She's worthless in her mind. So fine, so on my body. I don't mean to use such a graphic example, but it's an example. Sexuality is a perfect example. It's deeper spiritual energy, that's what it is. That's why it can create such beautiful things and love and nobility and, and, and sacrifice that people f- do in the name of love, healthy sacrifice. But also look at the damage it can, because you're not dealing with a small thing, it's like fire. Fire can, without fire we have no warmth, we have no food, we don't, we're unable to survive. But imagine fire is out of control. What happens? It destroys. The same thing with sexual energy. As I said before, a very thin line between spirituality, sensuality and sexuality. Because you're dealing with the deeper inner forces of life, which is why it has such a hold on us. That's why it has that uh, that mysterious hold on us. Because it's not just a regular thing out there. It's coming from the deepest places of going into the Holy of Holies and you have to be very careful when you enter there. Because if it's used in the wrong way, it can create t- tremendous damage. That doesn't mean there's no hope, but you have to understand that. So there is shvera sake on the shattering of the containers in psychological terms. Any trauma, anything that has broken you, that in turn has created a shattering in some way to your system, what's happened? So you began as an innocent, pure, seamless child like pre-symptom, pure white snow. Then life has taken over and hurt and abused in some way trampled on you, undermining and invalidating the person's self, all the other things that abuse does, or even worse. And now you have a distorted view, you've become not just duplicitous, you've become fragmented, be so many different parts of you. It's shattered. The goal was that the concealment was in order for you to be an independent individual and reconnect to that unity. And now you may be lost at sea. And the goal now is to find that unity because it's still inside you. That's the key thing to remember. As dark as it may be, and as sad as it may be, there's still always an ember that's still burning. There's still a pilot flame. Because ultimately everything originated from a truth. Even the symptom itself, even the concealment came from a divine power of concealment, the teacher concealing. It didn't come from a bad place. It was diverted, it was hijacked, it was, it was um, t- 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 taken t- take control over by other forces, but you can always reverse it. So this is somewhat of an overview of that darker side. Now we all have it within us. You don't have to be a sorcerer or a witch or any other type of uh, spiritual black magic magician to be in this way. We all have our dark corners. Those very sad places. Those places were very much alone. Some called the ugly corners. Some called the shadows. We all have it. See when you look at it. Some of us is just pure shame. Recognize it didn't come from nowhere. It's the microcosm within you. Of this darker side that we're talking about. It originates. From a concealment, it's meant to give you the independence and the ability to choose and to be wise. Where it could end up is a very dark side. So yes, shame is a healthy thing because at least you're recognizing shame. It's much worse if you're not even ashamed of it. You got to the point where you can behave in ways that are atrocious, you know, like the portrait of Dorian Gray, and and you don't even feel conscious. Conscience. So be happy if you have a Conscience. So the conscience, however, is that little light that's allowing you to at least do something about it. So most of us want to get rid of the shame, so we do more destructive things to numb ourselves. What I'm suggesting is, no, let's work our way back. Let's try to regain that innocence, the pre symptom innocence of our childhood. And would do that is to access your beautiful soul that is there all the time, no matter what there is on the other side. But we need to know there's another side. We don't ignore it, but we don't give it more power than it deserves, because by being obsessed over it, that itself feeds it, to take go back to the theme I was speaking about. So there is energy there. But remember that symptom itself is also energy. It's when it's misunderstood, by us that, that gives it even more power. Think of an enemy that's not that strong, but you and your mind think that that enemy is strong. They made you. they're bluffing you. Psychological warfare. And then you're giving it power by believing in it, by thinking it's really that powerful. So it's a combination of a concealment which is real, but a combination of our attitude. So in a way, the darkness dissipates when we don't give it too much credence and power. To start worshipping your trauma, to start worshipping your negative energy is not what you want. Which you want to say, it's there. I know where it's coming from. And Now I've traced it to the shattering of the containers all the way to the Tsim But that's not who I am. Who I am is a child that was born seamless, pure, singularity, oneness, unity. And that's what I need to find. So it's recognizing, but not allowing it to control you. And definitely not allowing it to define you. Define you. How many of us Begin with one identity, and then, due to whatever reasons, we've developed another identity, either to protect ourselves or some called out of body. The inner child remains concealed, now is the outer adult. The different ways we describe are the masks we wear in order to cope, because we think is the only way to go. What we want is to get rid of that splintered identity and reconnect, to reintegrate. And reintegrating is returning back to that pre symptom reality. The reason that symptom was there in the first place, the reason the concealment was there in the first place. So we all have black magic within us. We all have the possibility for that power, that negative dark power, the dark side. But darkness is really just the antithesis of light, and light dispels darkness. They're not equals ultimately. So even though the book of Kahelet Ecclesiastics says there's two equal forces, it's true ostensibly it's too equal, but it now comes down to your attitude. As soon as you say to yourself, I am really a personification, a channel of light, not of darkness. That's who I am. Darkness has happened to me. I may have suffered, but I'm not a sufferer. I may have been, I may have been hurt, but I'm not a defined by my hurt. You now weaken the hold of the Simpson because you're recognizing his true purpose. So the more... The less credence you give it, the less power you give it, the less power it has. It feeds off our fear. It feeds off our negativity. So negativity, which is a result of it, is also the cause of it. So we have to eliminate that, which is by bringing positive energy into our life. Which is the whole purpose of this program in the first place. As intriguing as it is to talk about that dark side, black magic, the dark side of Kabbalah, we have to remember... Is there to remind us, to remind us of what can happen when things go awry, goes off the reservation, off off the this the, the healthy path, but with the goal of actually discovering deeper light and deeper truth. And that's where darkness actually can catapult us and propel us into far deeper levels to the point where we reach a place that's beyond Simpson and beyond beyond Simpson meaning higher than light and higher than darkness. A place that transcends both. And that's why it has the power to create both. So, But we have to contend first with those tracks, the track of light, the track of darkness. And indeed, when you think of it, and you think of all the different um, viewpoints about how we're forbidden to go into that world, what we're telling us don't, don't, don't engage yourself with that negative energy. If it's there, bring light into the path, bring light into your life. That's the key thing to always, always remember. So with that, my friends, I wanna say this. We all have these two voices within us. It behooves us to choose the path of life, and the path of light, and we have the ability to do so. I hope this sheds some light, no pun intended, on that dark side and without itself allowing to expose it because remember darkness does not like light. All the maggots, all the parasites, where do they gather? When there's no bright light. They like moisture, but they want it to be not in the light. As soon as you shine the light, the burglars and the criminal elements and the dark elements run away. The vampires disappear in the light. They thrive in darkness. Darkness is also an ignorance and things that we don't see clearly. So it's critical to shed light on these dark matters and that allows us to understand existence in a completely different way. Now there's so much more that can be said on this topic. I hope this illuminated some part of it but I'm sure we'll talk about it some more. This has been Simon Jacobson. Meaningfullife.com is our website where you can find a wide array of materials, relevant materials, psychological, spiritual life skills to help us deal with every challenge in life. Please love to hear your feedback, your comments, and please share. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, which has been growing and skyrocketing, actually. And and share with others, share with your friends, and hopefully let's get this message out and let's turn this world, which has so much darkness. Scientists recently discovered how much dark matter, dark energy there is out there. But ultimately, that darkness is all part of a bigger plan that allows us to discover the purpose of the darkness itself is deeper light. Thank you so much. And be well and be blessed. This program is brought to you by the Meaningful Life Center. Please help us continue our programs. Make even a small contribution at MeaningfulLife.com donate.